These seven rhythms are part of our DNA. If you did not do the rooted study, we went through it in the fall. We're offering it this Sunday morning uh, uh, on the fourth, starting the 14th at 830 in the fellowship hall. This is so important that we've adopted these rhythms and the rooted study as a part of our new members orientation. Because I'm tired of people coming to church, just coming to church. Jesus called us, he saved us for us to be discipled. And you can't be discipled just by coming to church on Sunday morning. Hello, somebody. And if we're going to grow, we got to know what we know and then operate on what we know. And hold each other accountable for how we're moving. Every time I look at you in the year 2024, I want to say, I like the way you move. These seven rhythms are the core and the DNA of who we're seeking to be and to become. Because we, we say it every Sunday, we are disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and the community at large. We will reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we're becoming. But you can't become that if all you do is come sit on Sunday. Now, if I'm going to pass you, I'm going to pass you. And if you don't want to be pastor, I love you, but go to a church where you can just sit and do what you want to do. But this ain't the church. And so I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to challenge you to be who God called you to be. But these are our core DNA, uh, the, the, the things that we want to see inside, inside of our lives. And if you are living your life and, and you're missing some of these rhythms, that means there's some areas you got to grow. Number one, we said daily devotion. What kind of word time do you have? Spending time in the word. Daily devotion. Number two, prayer. How's your prayer life? When you start evaluating yourself, do I spend time in the word? Yes or no? Am I praying consistently? Thirdly, it's repentance. Everybody say repentance. It involves self-evaluation because I can't repent of something if I'm not evaluating how I'm doing something. Does that make sense? And if you're going to grow, you must evaluate. Can I get a witness? If you're going to get better, if you're going to get closer, more holy, you got to evaluate where you are and where you're falling short. You want to repent of that area. Okay? Because all of us got areas where we need repentance. Am I right about it? Fourthly, it's what? Sacrificial generosity. Hear me carefully. Make no mistake about it. Part of the responsibility of every born-again believer who's a member of a local church congregation is to support that local church congregation with your tithes, offering, and sacrificial giving. Don't apologize for it. It takes money to do ministry. All this stuff you see here, that costs money. we We prayed about it, yeah, but we had to pay somebody some money to install this stuff. This air that's freezing some of y'all out, I'm going to make sure you don't go to sleep up in here. <laughs> that air, that's, that's these six units that's feeding in here, it costs money. During the summer, just the bill on this building is over $1,000 a month. Just to cool you. So sacrificial generosity is something that should be a part of your spiritual rep- repertoire. So if you're not supporting your work of ministry, then you're, not, you, you're out of rhythm. So I want you to be able to move.
Well, you know. That's the inside joke. You don't, you don't know anything about these capitals and these cues. Sacrificial generosity should be a part of our repertoire. Next is what? Serve the community. I've told you my challenge to every member of this church, and this is, like, this, ain't, this, ain't, this is not a part of my message, but this is my exhortation. So y'all, y'all start me over. We're get to, okay, give me, give me about four minutes. <laughs> serve the community. My challenge to every member of EBC is to serve inwardly. That means inside the church, a part of what we do here, and to serve externally to get connected with one of our outreach ministries. Guys, we, we, we sow and we missions outreach. We go and serve. As a matter of fact, we just served yesterday at 318 Church, a church that's downtown uh, ministering to those who are homeless, those who are marginalized, those who, uh, some, quite honestly, some of them are living on the street. And so we're connected and we're serving. So, so when you serve together, you get a chance to know each other and you begin to to, to live out this gospel message. So, so serve the community. Next one is what? Share your story. Do not be embarrassed to share your story, what God has done for you, what he's brought you through, how he's, he's healed you, he's delivered you, he's changed your mindset. Be willing to say what the Lord has done for you. Some Christians are reluctant to share their story. Because they're afraid. Well, what are people going to think? What do you think they thought about Apostle Paul? Paul had st- st- stood by and watched them murder Stephen. Held the coats of those who murdered him. Stoned him to death in Acts, I think, the seventh chapter. That very same Saul, whose name was changed to Paul after being converted on the road to Damascus, a man who wrote an overwhelming majority of the New Testament, he had a story. And he told his story. Some of y'all were in, in, in some things and may have been some, in some things since you've been saved, but the Lord delivered you. But if you don't share your story, how can you bless somebody? Everybody say, share, share my story. And lastly, worship. Everybody say, worship. We need to worship. Now, I don't know why my voice is doing what it's doing right now, but, but, but the enemy is trying to take it away. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to last a last voice. Will y'all point at me and say, we pray for you, Pastor. Now, some of y'all who don't want me to preach very long, y'all ain't praying for me. I know that spirit. Lord, give him 20 minutes. Give him 20 minutes. (laughs) But listen to me. Here's what I believe. Now, you don't have to take this, but I know I'm right about it. If we're going to grow, we got to get serious about word time. Because it's the word of God that produces the faith that empowers us to do the will of the Father. And if I don't have any word to have, if I don't have any understanding, if I don't have any theological construct, if I, don't have, if I don't have any doctrinal foundation, I'll find myself wandering all over the place. I'll let my feelings, my emotions, my political affiliation govern how I view life and how I treat people. And that's the wrong thing to do. All right? Now get back with me. So we've been talking about stepping out in faith. Everybody say step out in faith. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want, I want you to go back to, we, we, you know, we saw um, uh, in Luke 1 and I think it was 38 where uh, when the angel came to, to Mary and told her that she was going to have a son. 
And Mary said, after asking them some questions, um, and, and then result in hearing the angel give her the witness and the testimony of her cousin Elizabeth, who had had a miraculous birth. Then Mary said, be it unto me, according to thy word. Be it unto me. Everybody say, be it unto me, according to thy word. And so at that point in time, then the, the, the miraculous birth of the Savior was put into motion because Mary had to participate. She received the word that came from God's messenger. And I am simply God's messenger speaking to you today. So let's go back to 2 Timothy 3, 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. And then uh, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to move forward from there. 2 Timothy 3, 16. Because we said that if we don't ever get ourselves positioned to where we understand how the word of God works in our life, and how it empowers us to, to be able to, to do the supernatural. Because, you know, there are many Christians who don't believe that God still works the way he used to work. The way he worked in the Bible. But I'm here to tell you, God still works. He's still a miracle worker. He's still a, a faith empowering God who wants to use us to transform our world. Who wants to use us to transform our communities? Who, listen, if the power of the gospel can't transform mankind, if you've given up on people to the point that you don't believe that the gospel can heal them, deliver them, set them free from what they're bound by, then listen, I'm I'm not sure why you're here then. Because the gospel that I embrace, the Bible that I read, I still is powerful enough to transform the lives of believers or to transform the lives of believers. Yes. And transform the lives of those who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. When they learn, when they accept his sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary, when they invite him in their heart and submit their will to his will, the gospel has the power to change people. Didn't it change you? Let me see the hands of all of y'all out there who, who can tell me that you, you were something else before you got saved. And let me see the hands of y'all who say, well, Pastor, even after I got saved, I was something else because I was, I was still growing. I was still thinking off. My mind wasn't right because I wasn't in the Word and I was allowing society and culture and politics and all this other stuff and music and whatever to influence my thinking. But now that I am being discipled, now that I'm allowing the Word of God to have its preeminent place in my heart and my life, now I'm moving and now I'm cooking with grease, Pastor. For those young ones, you don't know what that means, just Google it. Watch the text. Here, the Apostle Paul is writing to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. Are you with me? Can we read together? One of my favorite passages to read. Because here's what I'm afraid of. Many Christians sit back and they do life based on the cultural influences. We do life based on our family influences. We do life based on the influence of others who who are in our friend group. And what God is saying is, 
I'm a jealous God, he says, and, and, and I will not have any other God before me. God says, I want to reign supreme in your life, and I want you to govern your life based off of my word and my principles and my precepts that I've given you. But the average Christian doesn't do that. Because how can you do that if you have no word time? We're going to watch the way you move. And I'm going to check up and say, how are you moving, brother? Those seven rhythms. Which one are you, you need some help in? Which one you need? So let's, let's start moving the right way. But watch what Paul, who's writing to his young son in the ministry. Timothy was young, a young pastor, pastoring older people. And Paul, he was, uh, most theologians say that Timothy was shy in nature, somewhat reserved. And I can relate to Timothy because I was shy at one time. And to a certain degree, I guess I still can be a little bit shy. But when it comes to preaching the gospel, baby, let me tell you something. I ain't holding nothing back. I know that may not be grammatically correct. I know how to talk correctly. I am not holding anything back. But just for emphasis, I ain't holding nothing back. (laughs) Because if I fail to tell you what God's word says, he's going to hold me accountable at the beam of judgment seat. The beam of judgment seat is when believers are going to be judged based on their faithfulness and their work and, and their commitment to the ministry while they were here on earth. So I don't want to get up there and God dress, undress me because I didn't tell you the truth because I thought you were getting mad at me. Baby, please. I've been past folks getting mad at me. My thing is a lot thicker than that. And if you're going to lead anything or anybody, everybody is not going to agree with you. People will get mad at you. People want to do it differently. But, but again, if, if you're in the leadership position, lead. Evaluate your leadership. Get people around who, who can speak truth in your life and, 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 and help you to lead well. Because when you're dealing with people, there's something else. All of y'all, I, I ask you, how many of y'all have managed someone on the job before? How difficult can that be? Yeah. They pay you, they pay you a little, four or $5,000 more to manage you. Like, keep that. But it's important to learn how to deal with people. And as Christians, we got to learn how to be relational. We got to learn how to deal with difficult situations without taking our Bible and going home and pouting and whining and crying. Stop. Stop the whining. Get some tough skin and let's get into the word of God. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And stop being so timid and so fragile. When you look back at the early church, all the stuff that they went through, they had to have something to stand on. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they moved with power. Yeah. And so the church nowadays seems to be limp and, and weak. But watch what Paul says to Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and is what? Useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. Next verse, it says what? Watch this. God uses it. What is it? The word word to do what? So what does God use to prepare and equip his people to do every good work? So let me ask you a question. This is very, you know, this is very simplistic in nature. So if I'm a believer, but I have no time in the word, according to the scripture, would I be prepared to do every good work? Absolutely not. And that's, where, that's, where, that's the problem that we have in the church. People can do some good stuff, but if what you're doing is not undergirded with the foundation of God's word, 
It'll be just something that you're doing. Because God is not just looking at what you're doing. He's looking at the why behind your what. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it for, for accolades, for pats on the back? And if you don't get the accolades and the pats on the back, now you're all frustrated because somebody did not uh, 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 tell you how good a job you, you've done. Guys, if I had to wait to get accolades on the back for the sermons that I preach, I probably would stop preaching a long time ago. But, 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 it, but God wants to use us as his vessels. But we got to have, amen, his word as a part of that process. I told you this on last week and we're moving forward. Hear me carefully. We can read scripture for days on end, but if we don't receive it by faith, it doesn't abide in us and it doesn't bring us the, the, the energy and the power and the effectiveness to do God's will here on earth. We may be encouraged, but we are neither empowered nor changed. You can come to Bible study. You can come here on Sunday mornings and hear words. Oh, that was, that was good, Pastor. Great word, great word. That really touched me. I'm not necessarily interested in, in touching you. I'm interested in the word, amen, moving you to action. James said it this way, and it's so eloquent he put it. He said, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So every time you come to this place and we break open the scripture and I show you what your responsibility, what my responsibility is as a born again believer. And you leave outside that, the four walls of this building and go and just throw it away and don't follow it. Don't do it. God is holding you responsible. And you're going to be beat with a little bit more stripes than somebody who did not know. For, for the Bible says for him who knows to do good and do it not is what? Is sin. So, so if we do receive the word by faith, meaning accepting it into our belief system, uh, uh, it, I told you on last week, it's sort of like inhale of faith. Amen. It's like spiritual CPR. You, you, you breathe in the word, you receive it, and then you begin to speak it out. Paul said in, in Corinthians, I believe, therefore have I what? Spoken. So we should be speaking what we're believing. Everybody said, I should be speaking what I'm believing. Make a note of this right quick. Here's, 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 here's the step-by-step process we should go to. First of all, we, 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 we read or we read or we hear the word of God. That's the first thing. We got to get to a place where we're hearing and reading the word of God. You got to connect with a church that's a Bible preaching and a Bible teaching church. What, what do you mean by that, brother pastor? That means that, that, that we break open the word of God. We go through it. We do it on Sunday mornings and we do it during our discipleship training. Our discipleship training is on Wednesdays right now. We, we, again, we're doing some on Sunday with the rooted study. So sign up for the class. You know why we started asking people to sign up? Because I want to know if you really want it. I want to know if you're really, if you're really hungry. Well, brother, pastor, my work schedule won't allow me to get. Well, okay. If your work schedule don't allow you to meet on Wednesday, you still can get it and do self-study. And, and, and study alone with your corporate church family. I know it's getting quiet here. But it's time out for Christians being lazy. 
when it comes to word time. Because we live in a generation now that where, where even experts tell you, well, you know, just keep it to 15 minutes. Man, I'm not going to preach 15 minutes. I've, I prepared all week, and, and you, you think I'm going to give you 15 minutes? No, I, it takes me 15 minutes just to warm up. But here's what I will tell you. If we're talking about things that relate to your life, the word becomes relevant. If I tell a husband how to love his wife, like Christ loved the church, if I tell a, a, a wife how to reverence your husband and to respect him and, and, and hear some that can help you to have a solid God-honoring marriage, then your ears ought to perk up. Especially, listen, especially if you're having trouble, but even those type messages are not just for people who are in trouble, but it's to get better. To be a reflective image of how Christ connects to the church. That's what Ephesians says. God uses the marital relationship, Brother Jerry, to show the world a tangible picture of how Christ connects to the church. And when the world looks at a lot of Christian marriages, they're like, I don't want any part of that church. Because we're doing stuff that just don't make sense. We're doing stuff that, that for a believer, it absolutely makes no sense. So in 2024, I've been recharged. I'm 60, but baby, these, these last 15 or 20 years that I got here, however long the Lord keep me here, I'm going to preach like I'm crazy. In a good sense. Are y'all with me? Is everybody with me? So now, if you're feeling uneasy right now, that's okay. I give you permission to tip out the door when the message is over. But if you want to grow, if you want to be a disciple, connect with, connect with us, and let's start to grow, okay? Is everybody with me? Everybody say step out in faith. So, first of all, we got to read and hear the word. Second, we got to choose to receive it, thereby inhaling it like a fresh breath of faith, okay? Everybody say fresh breath of faith. You have to choose to receive. Everybody say choose. choose. I got enough sense to know that everybody sitting here listening to me is not choosing to receive what I'm saying. How do you receive something? If somebody brings you a gift, you receive it. You, 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 you say, okay, I take what you gave me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you word and, 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 and you may not even quite fully understand it or your, your emotions may be over here, but the word is over here. But what have I told you? Always be obedient to the word and let your emotions catch up. Because you don't want to find yourself Christian knowing what the word of God says because you don't feel it don't mean it ain't real. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, so, first of all, we read and hear the word of God, study it. We choose to receive it. When we receive what we're doing, we're inhaling it like a fresh breath of faith. And then thirdly, we speak it aloud at the opportune time. Even we may speak it to ourselves. Uh, or we may speak it to others, but we are now exhaling. Uh, we're doing like Paul said. Paul said, I believe, therefore have I spoken. Paul was speaking what he believed. Now, here's, here's what most Christians do. They say they believe one thing, but they start to speak another thing. You came, we prayed for you for, let's just say, a, a, a new job opportunity. So we prayed for that job opportunity for you. 
And then you leave. And then on the next day when I asked you, I said, well, how are you standing? You still believe in God for that word? Well, I hope so. I hope it comes. You got to start speaking what you believe. Paul said, we believe, therefore we speak. We speak what we believe. Well, I don't see it. Dummy, faith is not seen. Now faith, I didn't mean, please, don't, don't, don't take that offensively. He calling me a dummy. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm being a little facetious here. But hear me carefully. Faith is not seen. If I see it, it's not really faith. Because the Bible says, now faith is the of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? If they've already called me, extended me the offer letter, I've already signed my employment papers, I don't need faith. Okay? But here's, think about this, you said faith is something things hoped for, the evidence things not seen. God says, that's how we got to live our life. Now, that's scary for some of y'all OCD people. Some of y'all got to have everything organized. Got to have every step. Come on. Can I, any of you, any of you folks that are laying wrong with you? I mean, not, not, not much. You, you fuck. <laughs> Let me see the hands of all of y'all who would classify yourself as sort of a, OC, you, I mean, real detail. You, gotta, you, you line everything out. You you you, you structure it. You organize. You you lay it all out. I got I got some of y'all. Sometimes, just like me, you know, I, I my background. Y'all, y'all know y'all who've been a while know my background. I was in banking for I was in banking for seventeen years. Uh, I analyzed numbers. I financed churches. Some of the major church projects in the Shreveport Bulge area, Commercial National Bank, was the bank of choice for those churches. And, and I was the, the loan officer for many of the major, from First United Methodist to Broadmoor to Greenwood Acres to Mount Canaan to Morningstar. All church, we had a, a, a church portfolio full of churches that, that, we, that we were servicing their financial needs. So being, being a financial guy and, and, and understanding trends and that type of thing, I have to be careful that I don't allow the numbers to dictate my faith. Are you with me? Because it's easy to bring your job home. And it's easy to bring your job into your faith life to the point to where what, you, what you're used to doing can cancel out the faith walk. Okay? So those folks who are, who are very organized, sometimes if you don't see it, you, know, you got to see it and have it already lined out. Every, sometimes God... Not sometimes God will do this. God will tell you to move and he'll tell you step one, but he won't tell you step two, three, four, five, six. So the question is, will you move on step one? Because in my life, I know when he told me to leave the bank and come minister full time, guys, that's been over 20, almost 21 years ago. How many of y'all know it took a little faith to do that? Hello? Now, see, I grew up in the church. I know church life. I know the backside of church life. You know what the backside means? The stuff that you don't see on Sunday morning. The dealing with people. Dealing with immature people. Who's supposed, who's, who, who should be, because of their position, should be spiritually mature, but they're actually spiritually immature. Who have other motives rather than, other than reaching people with the gospel and trying to disciple folks. 
a whole lot of ancillary things, people who are not faithful, people who are not committed, and all those things. But I love God's people, and I, I will work with God's people because I know that's my assignment. And so when people don't do what they're supposed to do, or not, I'm not being uh, who they're supposed to be, it don't frustrate me anymore. Because I learned a long time ago. What did I tell y'all? I learned grown people will do what grown people want to do. If they want to get close to Jesus, they'll get close to him. If they really don't, you can, I can preach to the, to the moon turn purple. They're not going to move until they really want to pursue God. The Bible says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? All right. So we read the word, we choose to receive it, and then we speak it out. That should be the process. Go with me right quick. If you, I, I want to I read several scriptures here. And today, you can follow me, follow me, baby. Psalms 107, verse number 20. Let's go there. Psalms 107, verse number 20. Psalms 107, verse number 20. Let me say this while we're turning. Hear this. God doesn't speak just to hear the sound of his own voice. Let me say it again. God doesn't speak just to hear the sound of his own voice. Neither does he speak just to be heard by others. He speaks in order to accomplish. Let me say it again. He speaks in order to accomplish. Hey, I got to make a move. Follow me. Go to Isaiah 55, verse number six. Isaiah 55, verse number six. Can y'all walk with me? If you got your Bible, turn with me, and we will pop it up on the screen here. Isaiah 55, verse number 6. Seek the Lord. Why you what? Why you can what? While you can what? Next verse. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will do what? He will forgive how? Generously. Next verse says what? My thoughts. All right, watch this. God is talking to his people here, Israel. And and, and we can fast forward this to the body of Christ. It's still relevant today. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. So let's let's get this understanding right away. God thinks differently than, than we do as human beings. Watch this. My like your thoughts. And he says, and my ways are what? Far beyond anything you can imagine. Verse number nine. Let's go. Let's read. It says what? Earth. So my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are. Next verse. And stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Next verse, let's go. It is the same. Watch this. Stop, stop, stop. I need you to pay attention. Watch this. He says, back up, back up. We got to go back. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. Right? They cause what? 
produces seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. So we got to have rain or stuff to grow. If there's a drought, the farmer's field will dry up. Next verse. Let's read. Is the same with my word. What's the same? Like the rain and the snow coming down to water the earth so that we can have fruit produced. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces what? It will do what? Accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper. This is God talking about his word. He says, I send it out and it always does what? And it will do what? Accomplish. He speaks in order to accomplish. In the beginning, in Genesis, he says, let us make man. Before that, he says, let there be life. He spoke it. Now, don't you think that the triune God who has all power in heaven and earth in his hand, he could just thought it. He could just thought it and light would have came. He could just thought it and separate the firmament from the midst of the waters. But he spoke it. Don't you know that Jesus followed the same template even when he was fighting against uh, the, the temptation that was coming and he was tempted by Satan in Matthew the fourth chapter? Every time the enemy came against him, he didn't just think. What did he say? It is, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall I serve. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He spoke word. So why is it that we as Christians think, okay, well, okay, God did it, Jesus did it, Paul and others did it, but, but you know, I don't have to do that. I don't, I don't, I, you know, little pastor, you know, uh, uh, this, this is a modern age now, and, and, you know, we have all these things, and, and we just got to just breathe and let it be, let it be, let it be. <laughs> we just got to, you know, just, just yeah, pastor, you, you, you're, you're a little old-fashioned, and, and you know, you got you to relate to the culture. Listen, I believe in being relatable, but not changing who I am. Be in the world, but not. Because too many Christians are trying to be relatable and we're trying to change and be like the world in order to relate. Jesus <laughs> related to the world quite well. As a matter of fact, the religious leaders criticized him, were mad at him because he hung out with people who they wouldn't be caught dead in public with. He ate, he ate lunch with him. So my question to you is, how many people are you choosing to intentionally build relationships with so that you can have an opportunity to share your story with them? How many people at work in your neighborhood, you know, you know he's a cussing sailor, but you know what, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna befriend him because you want to try to pour something into him. See, we need to be thinking intentionally like that. This is about soul winning. If you come into church just to, just to be cute and just to have a place to go, Listen, listen, I love you, but that, you, you, you're better than that. God's got more in store for you. Every last one of us sitting here has spiritual giftings that God wants to use to reach people with the gospel and to help disciple and train folks. So he, he speaks his word in order 
to accomplish it. Y'all remember the parable of the sower over in Matthew 13? I don't have time to go there. Uh, Matthew 13 chapter where that, that, that's the parable so, so illustrates to us that the condition of the heart of the receiver of the word has everything to do with whether or not lasting fruit will be produced. See, I can preach it all day long, but if your heart ain't right, if your heart is full of malice and hate, if your heart is, is, is hardened because you've allowed past experiences and hurts and relationships to harden you to a point to where you just, you don't let anything in, seed just pops off of you. Word come, love your neighbor yourself. Word comes, God gives you a prophetic word from somebody and, and you know it's God talking to you, but you, you won't move because your heart has been hardened. I really feel sorry for people whose hearts have been hardened to the point to where they've been hurt so that they, they don't even know how to love. I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather love and be disappointed and hurt by somebody than to not love at all. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're involved in ministry for any prolonged period of time, somebody's going to disappoint you. Somebody's going to hurt you. But I will submit to you that part, that's part of your growth. It's part of your growth. How many of y'all ever had somebody turn their back on you? I mean, somebody who you were close to, you thought that, man, we're solid, and now they won't even speak to you. Y'all don't, y'all don't want to be real with me? I'm, I'm asking a question. This is the participatory sermon. Come on. See, as a pastor, I, it happens a lot. But what I've learned is people come and people go. I don't get so high when they come and I don't get so low when they go because people come and people go. Now, again, because somebody leaves the church don't mean that you leave. You should never leave a church mad. Even if you're feeling that God is, is leading you to, to, to transition, don't, don't and leave right. Don't just up and, and ghost everybody. You know what it means to ghost somebody? We call, you won't even answer the phone. Now, now last month, six months ago, you answered my call, but now you won't answer the call because you're mad at me. Now, we're, we're going to talk about in the new year, we're going to talk about relationship to one another in the scriptures because we need to learn how to deal with people. We need to learn how to, to, to deal with difficult situations because many, many of y'all sitting here don't know how to deal with difficult situations. You get your feelings hurt. You get all flustered. And then now God can't really use you like he wants to use you because you're mad at people. And you're just like, I don't care what you say. I don't like to be hurt. And I'm going to insulate myself from being hurt. And so the way I'm going to insulate myself from being hurt is that I just won't get too close to people. I need y'all to come in a little closer. Here's one problem with that. God called you to get close to people. So now what you going to do? Are you going to satisfy your fear of, 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 of being hurt again? Or are you going to satisfy your God who you say saved you, delivered you, set you free and saved you for a purpose and a cause? Which one are you going to do? Are you going to satisfy yourself? Or are you going to say, for God I live and for God I die? Which one? Talk to me. What's more important? What God wants for your life or your feelings? Now, we all have feelings. I'm not dismissing those. And, and sometimes feelings can lead us. Sometimes God will give us unction through our feelings. But I want to be spirit-led. And so if I'm going to be spirit-led, 
I got to learn how to be relational. I got to learn how to deal with people because I can't reach people if I'm scared of people, scared to talk to people, scared to be around people, not very hospitable. Can we come in closer? God chose to use man to reach man. And he chose you. He saved you. And he wants to disciple you. And he wants to get you prepared to be able to serve and to reach people with the gospel. But you can't do that if you're all to yourself. And the church said amen. Amen. And the church said amen. Amen. Come on. And the church said amen one more time. Now watch this. So, so God speaks in order to accomplish. So the birth of Christ illustrates this concept. The birth of God's son. Go back, we'll, go, we'll go back and, and take a look at that in Luke, the first chapter. The birth of God's son required a miracle. Would y'all agree? Not be born through the natural process as every other man had been born. Simply put, any person who enters the world through a man and a woman is just a mere man or a mere woman. They're going to, because of the fallen nature of this world that happened in the Garden of Eden, every man, every woman who's born, every child is born, is born in sin and shaping in iniquity. But see, that's not the case, that's not the case with Christ. Y'all with me? For you see, he already existed. Go with me to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. John 1, 1 through 5. Hurry, hurry. Everybody says, stepping out in faith. Mary had to receive the word. She had questions, and God is okay with you asking them questions, but, but she was not asking questions from a standpoint of doubting. She said, quite honestly, she said, listen, I've never been with a man, so how, how can this be? And the angel says that you, it ain't going to be, you know, Joseph, I know, Joseph, I know you are a spouse. Now, again, uh, uh, espousal during this time or engagement during the time that Mary and Joseph lived was much more uh, involved than, than some of the engagement we have today. As a matter of fact, if you were to break off the engagement, it was like going to get a divorce. It was that strong. Are you with me? So let's look at here right quick. So Jesus, he could not, again, be born through the natural process like every other man, because he, he was already here. He, he just needed a body. Look at what John 1, 1 says this. Uh, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. Next verse says what? He existed in the beginning with God. Next verse, let's read. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Next verse, read. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his light brought light to everyone. Verse 5 says this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now skip down to verse number 14. Verse number 14 says what? So the word became and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one So Jesus always has been. He was in the beginning. But now God says, I'm going to pull out of myself and I'm 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 going to be born, amen, through human flesh in a manger in Bethlehem. But I got to do it this way because 
the Savior that we know and the Savior that we serve lived a perfect life. And if he had been born the natural way, he would have been born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Therefore, if God willed to send his son into the world, he had to choose another way. And this way is the miraculous birth of the Savior. So, so it was a miracle. It got, the birth of God's son required a miracle. It required a combined act on God's part and the woman's part. Let me tell you something. If God is going to do anything through you, it's going to require you to participate with God. Some people have the mindset that God is going to slap me down and just going to, just going to take over my body and do whatever he wants to do with my body. God needs your participation. You cannot grow spiritually if you won't participate in your own spiritual development. You cannot grow if you won't participate. Let me say it again. You cannot grow spiritually if you choose not to participate. I know some people think, well, I'm, you know, I, I, you know I'm, nobody, I'm not going to let no man tell me what to do. Well, that's the wrong concept right quick because God uses man in his religious hierarchy to teach and to reach men. He chose the foolishness of preaching to get us saved. So, so, so what God does is, is it was a combined act on God's part and on the woman's part. If, if, if God's son was to become a man identified with men, he had to come through the process of conception through a woman because they come through the woman, right? No man can have a baby. I shared that with you the other week, right? Therefore, if God willed to send his son into the world as a man, he would have to perform a miracle causing Mary to conceive by an act of his divine power. Next thing, it required a miraculous nature, both a divine nature and a human nature. Go to Hebrews, the second chapter, we right quick. Hebrews chapter number two and verse number 14. Hebrews chapter two and verse number 14. Do you not realize, as Peter says, if you are a born again believer, you are a partaker of the divine nature. Everybody say partaker, partaker. of divine nature. Now we got to think of this in this term because many times we see things in the scripture and we think, well, that was just those folks in the Bible. They had something special that we don't have. We got access to the power of the Holy Spirit just like they did. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, what we need to realize is that God can still use us to do whatever he wants to do in the earth realm, but we got to choose to participate. And we got to realize that we are partakers of his divine nature. Watch this. Let's read. Ready to read. Verse 14. Ready to read. Human beings made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Who had the power of what? Of death. Next verse. Let's read it. Watch this. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Let me ask you a question. Are you afraid of dying? Just... This is a rhetorical question. Are you afraid of dying? See, listen, if I understand what scripture teaches about the word of God and about our life, and we always sing about heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing there will be. 
When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. But how many of y'all ready to go? <laughs> how many of y'all afraid to die? Listen to me. Because you conquered death, if I die tomorrow, I'm not scared. I'm not saying I'm ready to go. Because I believe that there's much more that God wants to do through me. But if God chose to take me home tomorrow, I believe with all my heart, mind, and soul, I'm ready to go and I'm not afraid. I don't want to leave this lady. But you know what? After a period of time, after you grieve, now you got to grieve a little while now, okay? I'm saying this a little bit facetiously, but, 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 I, but I mean it with all my heart, mind, and soul. My prayer would be that certainly we've been together 38 years. And so, so there would be some heartache and pain there, obviously. But, but I, I would hope that she would recognize that I'm rejoicing with Jesus. I hope she would recognize that I've been free from the confines of this mortal body and now I'm walking in spirit with Jesus. And that even in our sad moments, that, that glimpse of the fact that, 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 I, that I'm communing with the Savior will give us a little sense of joy and hope because she knows that one day she's going to see me again. Because when Jesus cracks the sky and the dead in Christ shall rise with him and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the air to meet the in the clouds to meet the Lord and so shall we ever meet the Lord. I would hope that that would give her comfort because the word is that real to her. When something is real, how do you know something is real to you? How do you know it's really real? You know it's real to you when it moves you to action. You don't really have faith if it's not moving you to action. Faith, true faith, is always backed up with corresponding action. There'll be some action to the thing that I say I believe. If I'm not moving in concert with the thing that I say I believe, then maybe I don't really believe what I say I believe. Because it's easy to say it, but when you start doing it, it makes a difference. Watch this. I got I to finish only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Next verse, watch this. It says what? We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham, which we are, amen, uh, as, as born again believers, grafted in. We were not natural born Jews. We were, we, 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 we were the Gentiles, the other ethnic groups besides Jews who were brought into the body of Christ, whereas the blood of Jesus broke down the middle wall of perdition. So there ain't no more distinction in Christ. Jesus. There's no Jew, no Greek, male, no female, bond, no free, but we all are one in Christ. Amen. We also know that the Son did not come to help the angels, he came to of Abraham. Watch this, 17 and 18, watch this. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Verse number 18, for good measure. Let's read it. It says what? Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus was tempted. Think about this. 
In every point, the Bible says, just like you and I were tempted, are tempted, yet without sin. So what does that make a difference? Pastor, why does that make a difference? It makes a difference because if, if he was tempted in every point like I am and you are, that means he understands what we're going through. And you can't hide from God. All of us face temptation. But we got a savior, a high priest, who's seated on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, saying that I know what you're going through. I've been through that. I was tempted in every point, yet without sin. So, we have both a divine nature. He had both of a divine nature and a human nature. And we also have a divine nature as well as a human nature. The Bible says, in, I think it's in Peter, first Peter says, we are partakers of the divine nature. We have God's nature abiding on the inside of us, which empowers us to do his word. The birth of a, it required the birth of a perfect nature. Why? Because a perfect life needs to be lived. Righteousness needs to be secured. A perfect righteous life had to be lived so that it could stand for and cover all men in perfection and in righteousness. And it required the creative word of God. God created the world by simply speaking the word. God always creates by the power of his word and the power of his word alone. Therefore, when God chose to create a body for his son, he created the body by simply speaking the word. It's the same with the new birth or the recreation of man's spirit. It is by the word of God, God simply speaking the word, that man is born again. The act of the spiritual birth is not seen, felt, or touched. Nothing physical happens, but the recreation does occur. It occurs by the word of God. When the angel said, you're going to be, you're going to marry, you're going to birth the Savior in the world, and when Mary received it, when she said, be it unto me according to his word, that word that the angel spoke, amen, began to accomplish the thing they were sent forth to accomplish. And I'm going to tell you something. When God speaks a thing, when he says a thing, he will follow it up. He says in the Bible that he watches over his word to perform it. Now, I got to stop because my time is up. But y'all listen to me as as I close. We will never step out in faith if we never get the courage and never submit ourselves to God's written word and allow it to take precedent over our feelings and what we think and what our denomination says. Let's, let's look at what God's word says. Faith is the way we're going to walk.